0: Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Barnardot Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. All right. Well, today is the first Sunday of Lent, and normally I like to preach a Lenten series. Um, That goes along with it, but I think I mentioned this last week Um, I'm just I feel like God wants us to stay in the Sermon on the Mount We've got one more chapter left, we've got chapter 7 And we've got Six weeks to cover it So we're going to stay in the Sermon on the Mount until we finish And I want us to ...view this portion of the Sermon on the Mount as a Lenten series, as a, a way to reflect and offer ourselves more fully to God during Lent. And so, uh, in fact, let's go to God in prayer as we start. God, I pray that you will use the words of this chapter, use the words of, of your son Jesus... To convict us, to show us who you are, and to show us who we need to be this litancy. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 And Satan just like got into our sound system. Amen. Amen. Get out the broom. Amen. That's right. <laughs> Get out of the brood. <clears throat> so we are in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 1. I really will wipe that with a stick. You think it'll help? <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. You can borrow my cane if you like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Let's read. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly, let take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you noticed the irony here that I noticed. But Jesus spends a good five verses telling us not to judge other people. And then he immediately compares some people to pigs and dogs and says not to profane what is holy by giving it to them. I don't know about you, but I feel like that is a pretty judgmental thing to say. <laughs> So he's saying, do not judge lest you be judged. But don't throw your pearls before swine. Which is it? Are we supposed to not judge people? Or are we supposed to figure out who is the swine that we're not throwing our pearls to? Kind of confusing. Jesus, am I supposed to judge or am I not supposed to judge? Now there's the stereotype of judgmental Christians out in the world. Right? You can't watch TV hardly without coming across a person who's supposed to be a Christian that spends their whole time judging other people. I mean, it's like everywhere. One of my favorite ones is in the movie Shawshank Redemption. You get the warden, you know, and he's quoting scripture to all these these inmates about how they ought to be and then he's over here skimming money, stealing all kinds of money, killing people that he knows are innocent uh, just because he can. Oh my gosh, we might just have to shut that off and I'll just talk well. Can you hear me in the back? Greg, you got me? We'll just do it this way. And hopefully it'll come through on the video, but, you know, we'll just have to deal with it. Okay. So you've got the warden from, from uh, Shawshank Redemption who's this utter hypocrite. He's using scripture to judge all of the inmates and keep them in line while meanwhile he's stealing and murdering himself. And that's kind of like your cultural ideal of a Christian, a judgmental Christian. The world looks at Christians and sees judgment a whole lot of the time. But then you get this like extreme reaction from some other people. These reactions of people who um, are constantly defensive about being judged. And anytime you say anything about them, about anything, anytime you imply anything that they could be doing differently, they say, Well, don't judge me. Doesn't Jesus say not to judge as if that's like the only thing Jesus ever said? And uh, or the only bit of moral advice worth following is that you shouldn't judge other people. And so, like, there, there's these two sides of the same coin. There's judgmental Christians, and there are judgmental Christians. You and I have all met them. Sometimes we might even be them. I might even be them. So I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to point the finger at anybody. I'm judgmental a lot, a lot of times. And then you've got people that are extremely sensitive about being judged to the point that they can't even take any amount of criticism without trotting out Matthew 7 and saying, don't judge me because Jesus said not to judge. There's got to be some kind of way in which we can go through the world not being judgmental, but also not being able not being able to, to make moral judgments about some stuff. I think the thing that we've got to realize, the thing that the church needs to realize, is that morality is not a zero-sum game. A zero-sum game is it's, it's a, a way to describe a situation in which one person's gain is equivalent to another person's loss. A zero-sum game means that if I I get ahead at all, then you fall behind. Or if you get ahead, then I fall behind. And this leads to this defensiveness about morality or offensiveness. Right? Because if I am closer to God than you are, then that means I'm better off than you. I'm, I'm better and you're worse. And if you get better... If you come up a a, a rung on the ladder, that means that I've moved down a rung on the ladder. And some people view morality this way. Everybody is on this ladder, and we are constantly comparing ourselves to other people, trying to figure out if I'm better off than they are, or if they're better off than I am, which one of us is closer to God. And that means that when someone criticizes us, we get extremely defensive about it. And when we see other people doing worse, we can be extremely offensive, extremely judgmental about it. Because we got to point out, I'm higher on the ladder than you. I get to judge you. Or you're higher on the ladder than me. How dare you apply, imply that? This zero-sum game mentality about our own morality leads to this This horrible judgment problem. But Remember when we talked about the Beatitudes way back when, in January? There's just not room among the poor in spirit for a zero-sum morality. There's not room among the hungry and the meek and the thirsty for this kind of judgment. They don't have time to worry about who's closer to God. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're meek. They're poor in spirit. And the people that live lives consistent with the Beatitudes realize that God is the judge, not us. I don't gain anything by being morally superior to another person. And I don't really lose anything by being morally worse than another person. Because the truth is, everybody is subject to God's standards, to God's judgment, and none of us measure us by our own merit. That's why we need Jesus, right? So it's better for us to just give up the game of figuring out where we stand in relation to other people and focus on where we stand in relation to Jesus. I'm worried about my heart, my situation with Jesus. And I'm worried about other people. I want other people to get closer to Jesus too, but not so that I can compare them to me, but so that they can be with Jesus. And the amazing thing is, when we get out of the rat race of this zero-sum game mentality, when we realize <laughs> that God is the judge, that we're not the judge, it frees us up so much. To live better lives when it comes out of the people. It freezes up to be generous. Jesus says, with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and with the measure you give, it will be the measure you get. Back in the ancient world, they did not have standardized measurements of things. You don't have like one cup being. standardized measuring, they used a cup of whatever they had available. So some people might have a gigantic cup that they used to measure. Some people might have a small cup that they used to measure. And so when you're out and you're buying grain and you say, I want a cup of grain, they're not measuring it by any standard weight. They're just, the guy takes a cup of whatever size that he has and he gets the grain. Now, some people in the ancient world, when they're selling grain, they would be generous with the way they gave gave their grain out. If you sold me, you know, if I gave you a coin, and you gave me a cup of grain, they'd take their grain, and they'd pack it down, and then they'd get some more, and they'd pack it down, and they'd wipe it off. And they're like the folks at Five Guys Burgers and Fries when they give you a fry. You know, at Five Guys, when you order a cup of fries, they give you a cup of fries, and then they dump another cup of fries in the back. That was how some people in the ancient world... Dealt with their mind. They were generous with their measurements. But some people, rather than being like the five guys, folks, they were like the fo- folks that lays potato chips. You know, you order a bag of chips and you open it up and it's already half empty. They would say, Okay, I'll give you a cup. And there's barely, you know, they 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 would skip you. They would say, Oh, yeah, that's about a cup, right? Whatever. And Jesus says. With whatever measure you use for other people, that's the measure that will be used for you. So if you're generous when you're dealing with other people, if you're generous with what you what you think about and how you feel for other people, then God will be generous with you. If you approach other people with a five guys mentality of just generosity of spirit and saying, they are probably doing the best that they can. They are probably doing the best they know how. Then other people will judge you that way. But if you approach other people with a critical spirit right up front, you'll get criticized too. I mean, that's just how it is. God will deal with you the way you deal with other people. Is what he said. Have you ever been in church and heard a sermon and thought, Boy, I wish so-and-so was here. They really needed to hear this one. (laughs) Most likely, you're the one (laughs) that needed to hear it. Right? That's the generous spirit. We want to be generous with other people and we want to reflect upon ourselves. We don't want to be critical with other people but generous with ourselves. And that's just... That's how the world works. The, our, our nature is to cut ourselves tons of slack and then give other people criticism and judgment. But what Jesus says is be generous with everybody so that you can be generous with yourself. So it freezes us to be generous when we, when we give up judgment. The other thing it freezes up to be is curious um, man, I can't like morally recommend this show because there's a lot of like language and all kinds of stuff in it. But I love the show Ted Lasso. If you can get along, uh, away with some, like if you don't mind a ton of swearing, Ted Lasso is a great show. There's this one part in it though. This is like the best part in the series. Ted's playing darts with this guy, and um, he just takes him to school. But part of it, he's is he quotes this Walt Whitman quote. He says, you know, I, I heard this Walt Whitman quote that changed my life. He said, the quote was, be curious, not judgmental. And Ted goes on to say that all of his life, people had been underestimating him because they just weren't curious. They thought they knew everything about me. And so they, and their underestimating had a lot more to do with them than it had to do with me. Because they just refused to be curious and to wonder what was going on with me. And that just struck me so hard when I watched it this week. Because that's what we do when we judge, right? When we judge other people, we assume that we know everything that there is to know about them and what they ought to be doing better. We assume that we know why they're doing, what what their thought process is, and we say... And we just ascribe all kinds of motives to them that they might not have. Rather than being curious, we assume that we know. But we don't know. We don't know all there is to know about other people. We don't know what people's motives are. We don't know what people are thinking when they're doing things. And so that frees us up to be curious about other people. And the great thing about generosity and curiosity is that we can approach people that we disagree with. It doesn't mean we have to accept all of everybody else's behavior, but we can engage with people whose behavior we disagree with out of generosity and curiosity, which means that we are accepting them In a way that we are making judgments about behavior without being judgmental about people. And I think this is going to be vital for us as Christians, as Methodists, in the next couple of years. When there's this huge debate, this huge split that's going on, we jump so frequently to this judgment. Oh, this person's doing this just because they want to take power, and they're just being cold and calculating and, and political, and over here we're just suffering. And the thing about it is I've heard people on both sides of the argument saying that about the other people. My side is is put upon, and we're just trying to do the Lord's work, and these other people are doing these cold calculations and trying to get as much money as they can. Why do we assume that other people have bad motives while we have good motives? Examine your motives and be generous with other people. Be curious about why other people might be doing that. It's so important, this curiosity point. Because we cannot come to this table of disagreement in good faith unless we're willing to be generous and curious about the people across from us that disagree with us. And it's just so important, especially when it comes to the sexuality debate. I mean, it's like we assume that other people just want to do whatever they want to and get away with whatever they want to, but that might not be their motive. Or or progressives might assume that Traditionalists are just trying to be judgmental and have their own way and, and exclude people, but that might not be their move. We need to be curious and generous with the people on the other side if we're going to get through this in any kind of Christian way. The third thing that we it frees us up to do, it frees us up to be generous, it frees us up to be curious, it frees us up to be holy. Pay attention to what God is doing inside of us, inside of you, not what God is doing, not what other people are doing wrong. This is where the log and the splinter come into play, right? Rather than focusing on what everybody else is doing wrong, we need to be focusing on our own personal holiness. Just because I sin in a more socially acceptable way or just because I'm better at hiding my sin than other people might be does not mean that I'm better than anybody else. Amen. I might have that log in my eye that I need to work on before I work on other people because God is calling me to holiness. God is working, the Holy Spirit is working on me to holiness, not just to appear holy, but to be holy. I can't do a single thing about another person's holiness. The only person whose holiness I can do anything about is mine. And so, when we're holy, when we're curious, and when we're generous, that clears us up to make these moral judgments, these important moral decisions, even moral decisions regarding other people without being judgmental. We can decide not to cast our pearls before swine. Not that we're calling other people swine, but we're, we're making a discernment in how we engage with other people and how we how we deal with other people. That's the best use of our time, right? And 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 that free as long as we're engaging with generosity, curiosity, and holiness, we can do that. We can see someone doing extremely destructive things, and we can try to provide accountability and guidance to that person without judgment now that doesn't mean that they won't feel judged especially i've noticed if there's addiction involved people who are are caught up in addiction if you try to point out their addiction they will immediately say how dare you judge me so you might be engaging in curiosity you might be engaging with with generosity but they might still feel judged and that has more about to do with them than it does with you but the 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 Trick is to not get drawn into defensiveness. I don't have to be defensive. If another person accused me of judging, I don't have to defend myself. I can just keep being generous, keep being curious, and keep pursuing holiness. It's the difference between discernment and action and judgment. Judgment requires more knowledge than we possess. I can't be the judge of another person's motives and their actions, but I can discern what I'm going to do. So what's the good news of the gospel here? The good news for you and me is that God is a good judge. He just He's good at it. He knows everything that we don't know. He loves us, and he won't recuse himself from judging us just because he loves us and we're his children. And in fact, that's a point in our favor. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus isn't judging you against other people. You don't have to fight to stay on the island with God. There's enough room on God's island for everybody. So you don't have to you know, be better than another person in order to be accepted by God. He has, in fact, given us the gift of other people. He's given us the gift of people around us, and we don't need them to conform to exactly everything that we're like in order to love them well. In fact, we can't expect everybody to conform 100% in everything. In fact, Jesus accepted you to belong to his church and belong to his family before he brought you along to correct belief. In fact, we still don't have 100% correct beliefs about everything. I know that there's stuff I believe right now that when I get to heaven, God will say, bro, you were wrong about that one. (laughs) All of us have that stuff. Nobody is walking around with 100% correct theology. And yet, God accepts us. And so he's calling us to extend that to other people too. People want to feel like they belong before their belief. Is right a hundred percent, and that's okay. It's okay for us to extend belonging to people who don't believe every single correct thing, because I don't believe every single correct thing. Belief, co- belonging in God's family comes first, and then correct belief gets worked out through the Holy Spirit, through the church later. That's why we inf- baptize infants in the in the church because. They belong in the family of God before their belief ever is even possible. And then they confirm that belief through confirmation. But the belonging comes first. So Jesus says don't judge other people, engage with other people, especially other people that you disagree with, with generosity, with curiosity and with holiness. Work on your own log and let the Holy Spirit work on other people's splinters. That will free you up to be discerning. It will free you up to take holy action. But it will also free you up to not be a judge. Let's pray. Father, so often I feel like my morality is a zero-sum game. Like I'm in competition with other people to see who's better. But I'm not. I don't have to compare myself to others. I don't have to judge other people. I can approach you on your terms. And God, you've opened that up to other people as well. So God, I pray that you will give me the ability to exercise generosity in my dealings with others, to exercise curiosity when I think about them, when I interact with them, and to be holy in all my ways. God, in the next few years, I pray that you will lead us in that direction, guide us in everything that we do, So that we can live according to your Sermon on the Mount. According to your Beatitudes. That you will make us holy. In your name I pray. Amen.